church, it is so good to be here with you. And uh, it's not the first time I've been here, but it's the first time in many, many years. Uh, in fact, on the way up here, I was trying to think about when the church uh, partnered with us initially. And I think the year, Pastor, was 2004, 2004. Uh, so we're headed into about 19 years of you partnering with us in ministry. A lot has changed since then. Uh, one thing hasn't changed. I was still as bald then as I am now. And so, but we, we came here the first time. We didn't have any kids. I think we've been married probably about two years, my wife and I. And now we have five kids. Oldest is off to college, and that's really the reason we're back in the States. And our second is a senior. Uh, the third is a sophomore, a seventh grader, then a fifth grader. And so we're in a big transition um, in our life as far as a family and ministry. And uh, we've been shoring up time. Uh, on the field to be able to come back uh, to the States during this year to do this, uh, to do this well. And so just pray for us as we're back here helping our kids head off to college, uh, be connected to a healthy support network in a local church, and uh, we'll be going back to Brazil in 2024 uh, with two less kids and just kind of a broken heart overall. So as you, you as parents understand that. So this evening, um, I really just want to give a, an overview of everything that has happened in our lives over the last 18, 19 years. Um, we've been back here since then, but just to kind of give you a fresh understanding of where we're at in South America in our ministry. Uh, now, it's, it's going to be difficult because 18 years, there's a lot of things that have happened in 18 years, and so my, my task this evening is difficult because I can't be too detailed too technical, and so this is more of an overview. I would love to talk to you more about what we do uh, later on, or you can find us online and watch videos and kind of understand more about our ministry. Before we get started, just want to read a verse here out of Psalm 40. If you have your Bible, Psalm, uh, Psalm 40, verse 5. This is what the psalmist says here. Psalm 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. And thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Uh, this verse just gives us a, just a, an overview of the greatness of our God. Now, the psalmist says here, many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works. And so as we kind of stop this evening and kind of look at what God has done in Brazil and South America um, through your partnership with us in ministry over the last almost two decades, as the psalmist says here, if I were to reckon them up in order, and the idea is if I were just to give you a, a full uh, understanding of, of what it is that God has done, he says they would be more than can be numbered. And the, the language of more than can be numbered in the Psalms is usually used when he's speaking about the number of stars in the sky and grains of sand on, on the shore side. And you know, as a missionary, I think about the Apostle Paul at the end of that first missionary journey. He was sent out to Antioch, and he you know, does his tour of where he went, proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, appointing pastors, planting churches, and then it says he came back to Antioch uh, from where God had recommended him um, to the, the work of the ministry. And the Bible says that he gathered the church together. 
and he rehearsed all that God had done. He didn't rehearse what he did. Uh, He didn't rehearse what Barnabas did. They rehearsed what what God had done. So hopefully we can do some of that here this evening. Uh, But before we get into the ministry, um, I was talking to Pastor uh, over lunch today and just sharing a little bit about my testimony, and he just asked me to share a little bit about my story. Um, So I I had the privilege of growing up in Brazil. My parents were missionaries uh, in Brazil for about 10 years. Uh, Both of my parents are from Northwest Ohio, uh, near Finley, Ohio. Uh, both of them grew up on a family farm, um, had never been exposed to the gospel. My dad was drafted to serve in Vietnam, and while he was there serving a tour of service, somebody shared the gospel with him, and he came to faith in Christ. And that changed his life. And he came back to the States, uh, having been already married before he was deployed. Uh, he shared the gospel with my mom, and she came to faith in Christ. And they joined a little country church in a town called Paulding, Ohio. Um, Emmanuel Baptist Church. And he served at that church just as a, a lay person with a youth group. Uh, and a missionary was coming through on a Sunday, Sunday just like this one, and shared about a need in South America. And during that service, my parents came forward and said, hey, God is leading us to give our lives uh, to this. And so without much instruction from the, the pastor of the church, uh, they kind of just searched out where they should study, where they should go for, uh, to be prepared in ministry, That led him to Chattanooga, Tennessee in 1974, where they attended Bible college there. And I was born in Chattanooga in 1978. And then a few years later, in 1981, my parents went to Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, So Sao Paulo is a big, big city. Um, 33 million people call the city of Sao Paulo home. Densely populated, uh, multi-ethnic, multicultural. And that's where my parents landed, from northwest Ohio, uh, just a rural, um, you know, rural story that, you know, my parents had been farmers for about 100 years, the whole family had been, uh, to this big bustling city in South America. And my parents, I just had the privilege to to watch them win people to Christ, disciple them in our home, and churches being started right there in the living living room of our homes. And so my parents did that as church planners for a number of years, up until 1991. I was 12 years old, and we were coming home from church on a Sunday night, and uh, there was a car accident where both of my parents uh, were killed in that car accident in Brazil. So me and my brothers and sisters, we survived that accident, um, and we came back to the States where uh, during the rest of my teenage years, uh, we lived with family members in Northwest Ohio. And as a teenager, I really, really struggled with bitterness and resentment. Um, you know, you have this, this uh, understanding, this low-resolution understanding of who God is, of what the gospel's about, and God really, um, really helped me grow and develop in, in understanding that it's not really about us, and it's not about what happens to us, but in all those things that do happen, God can work through us for his good and his glory in time and eternity. And so I had a few men that came alongside of me as a teenager, and they helped disciple me through that as a young man. And so I went off to college after high school, and in college, God further directed me to, uh, to ministry. And I ended up back in Brazil in 2004 uh, with my wife. And we first went to Brazil. Our son, our oldest son, was about two months old at the time. And we landed back in the city of Sao Paulo and, uh, to work as church planners in the city of Sao Paulo. And God led us to a region known as Cidade Tiradentes, 
which is the largest government housing projects in Latin America. Uh, about a million people in about 12 square miles, densely populated region in the city. And there we started a church, uh, kind of the same thing I'd seen growing up, started a church with a few group of people, uh, discipled those people, developed those people, and out of that church, uh, we were able to see five different churches planted over about a 15-year period. Um, but in 2000, 2018, God began working in my heart uh, to change not only the direction of what we did, but how we did it. And that's what we're going to talk about here this evening, uh, the new ministry we call the Southern Cone Initiative. Uh, you know, Brazil has had missionaries for well over 100 years. Uh, most of the countries of Latin America have had missionaries there for, for 100 years. And they've seen the gospel advance. They've seen churches planted in many, many different places. Uh, but the Lord was leading us to focus in on what we consider to be least-reached communities or communities that we can say have less than 5% evangelical population. And so evangelical population, that's a broad term. It's kind of all-encompassing. Uh, but those are the statistics we have, and so that's what we work off of. But it's usually a situation where we can legitimately say these people do not have access to the gospel through a gospel-centered church uh, within their reach. And so they couldn't hear the gospel even if they wanted to hear the gospel. And so when we did that, we said, you know what, there's a lot of needs here in the city of Sao Paulo, but we, we know there are greater needs in other places in Brazil. And so we started looking around, and that took us uh, into looking at three different areas of Brazil. We prayed about those areas, and we felt the Lord leading us to southern Brazil, and we also looked at encompassing the region of our scope of ministry to Uruguay and Argentina. So here's our, our vision for the Southern Cone Initiative. And I'll kind of unpack a little bit about what the Southern Cone is and what we do in the Southern Cone. So we are asking God for a gospel movement in every least reached community of the Southern Cone in our generation. So this is, this is our vision statement. There's four things here that I just want to highlight within this statement. So usually, usually vision statements start with some, uh, some, something related to our effort. Hey, we're going to do this, or we're going to chase this down. And it usually involves methodology or strategy, and we just want to be really careful in, in setting the tone for what we're doing and saying, first off, we are asking God. Listen, we, we are God-dependent. You know, th this church is God-dependent. And so we, we want to approach what God has called us to do in Brazil, Argentina, southern Brazil, uh, Uruguay, and say, you know what, God? You've given us a vision for something, but, but we are God-dependent. The second thing we see here is, in this statement, is a gospel movement. And we'll kind of unpack what that means here in a minute but we are movement-oriented. That means that we are looking at a vast region in which to reach this region, we have to lean in on strategies of multiplication, not strategies of addition. The third thing here is, in every least-reached community of Uruguay, Argentina, and southern Brazil. So we are least-reached focused. There's a lot of needs. There's a lot of places we could serve. But there are very few of us. Uh, we have a team that works with us, 
And we want to concentrate our efforts in proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, engaging the community, and seeing churches planted in very specific places. And then the last part of our vision here, it says this, in our generation. Hey, we are stewardship aware. Hey, we realize that we're here for our lifetime. I'm not here in my dad's lifetime. I'm not here for my kids future ministry and their responsibility and what God gives them wherever he places them. We are stewardship aware. Uh, All of us are alive in 2023 and the opportunities that God affords us and puts in our path. We're responsible for those things. We're responsible as stewards of the resources, the time that he gives us. And we believe that in the southern cone, Argentina, Uruguay, and southern Brazil, he has given us great opportunities and great doors of opportunities. And so that's a little bit about our vision. I just want to spend a minute here talking about what we mean about gospel movement. So we characterize a gospel movement as the spirit-led progression of four things, gospel proclamation, disciple multiplication, community engagement, and church planning. So we have been church planners our entire ministry. But a lot of people, um, they think church planning can be reduced down to a recipe of how you start a business. The truth is, church planning is nothing more, nothing less than planting the gospel well in such a way that disciples are made and multiplied so that they live differently in communities in which churches are planted. So church planning is the result of healthy gospel planting. A type of gospel that transforms lives, where those people live differently in their community, living and proclaiming that gospel message where churches are planted. So, you know, this is, this should be self-evident, and we have a little graph here that kind of shows uh, what this looks like in the life of the gospel. We see this throughout Acts, and we see this throughout church history. You go in Acts 17, Acts 18, Acts 19. Uh, Really, throughout church history, you see this pattern of what the gospel looks like. The gospel proclaimed, disciples multiplied, communities engaged, and churches planted. This is important for you to understand because we are only involved in these things in southern Brazil. There are a lot of good things that we could be involved in. And there are a lot of great people, a lot of great ministries, a lot of great nonprofits but we're involved in gospel ministry that wants to seem as its primary aim, churches planted in least-reached communities. Well, what about the southern cone? Uh, What is the southern cone? Where is the southern cone? Well, this is kind of a broad definition. It's up here on the screen. We define the southern cone as a geographic region in South America located east of the Andes Mountains, south of the Tropic of Capricorn, And it encompasses Argentina, Uruguay, and southern Brazil. But here's the important part. Whose people are primarily of European descent. Now, we're going to show a video here in a second. And a lot of people stereotype all of South America. Uh, And so we consider Latinos. So Latinos are in Latin America, in South America. But the southern cone has a very unique cultural makeup. And the dynamic of reaching people for Christ within the southern cone is more like reaching people in Eastern Europe than it is Central America, the Caribbean, or other parts of South America. 
And so they're all of European descent, and they're considered to be mostly least reached. Now, what do I mean mostly least reached? We've identified at least 550 communities that qualify as being least reached within that threshold of less than 5% evangelical. Once again, we're saying if there's 100 people, maybe five of those people can be considered born-again Christians. And so, you know, it's a lot of places. It's a lot of people. You know, the Southern Cone is a region of 76 million people. 76 million people that if you consider the geography of that region, and there's a map up here, it's half of the continental United States. So, you know, we, a lot of times we, we can't put that into perspective. Well, what kind of size of a region are we talking about? Half of the continental United States, 76 million people. You know, there's a, there's a need, and there's an urgency. We heard that this morning in the message. There's an urgency, and that, that urgency really requires us to make a decision. And as we saw this morning, the decision was obedience. You know, and as, as a family, when we were in the city of Sao Paulo, we'd been there 15 years, and we had developed close relationships, close friendships. Uh, we had seen a thriving ministry multiply itself. And, and so when we said, you know what, we, we see a need, and we stepped out, we moved from Sao Paulo, a thousand miles south, to this region known as, southern, as the Southern Cone. And we, we started from scratch, uh, 2019, 2020, and building out uh, this, this ministry. So we're going to watch a video right now, really short, two-minute video, but it'll give you kind of a, an insight into what is the Southern Cone. South of the Tropic of Capricorn and east of the Andes Mountains lies a geographic region known as the Southern Cone. 76 million people, primarily of European descent, call this region home. It is estimated that by 2050, 95% of this population will be living in urban centers. Although part of three different countries, Argentina, Uruguay, and Southern Brazil, their culture, traditions, and religious sentiments are similar and unique to the region. Many are agnostic and secular in their view of evangelical Christianity. Among Latin American countries, the people who live in the Southern Cone represent a mostly least reached population. We want to change that. We are asking God for a gospel movement in every metropolitan region with over a million people in Argentina, Uruguay, and Southern Brazil in our generation. This vision is greater than ourselves and can only be accomplished by God. As we believe in God for the harvest, we are working with ministry leaders and churches who want to see the gospel spread and disciples multiply throughout the Southern Cone. Our prayer is that you will partner with us as we seek to start and strengthen churches by helping people meet, know, and follow Jesus. So that's the Southern Cone. Southern Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay, uh, very modern, first world. Um, and in South America, there are probably people that are distinguished from other people and groups culturally, but as far as not only culture, but in the language societally. 
So how did we connect with people, and how did we develop a ministry in the Southern Comb? As I mentioned a minute ago, we moved from Sao Paulo after having been there for 15 years, and we went all the way down uh, to Southern Brazil. So we're just going to share three things here today, um, how we actually go about our ministry. And for some of you, this is going to be extremely boring, and for others, it's going to be insightful into how we've developed the framework for how we uh, do what we do. As a missionary, it's important for us to share this with a church that has partnered with us for so many years. Uh, so it gives you maybe some additional insight into how you can pray for us and how you can partner with us moving forward in the next two decades of ministry partnership. So we are God-dependent. The mission isn't about me. The mission isn't about you. The mission is about Jesus Christ. And so as we moved into the Southern Cone, we, we built our entire strategy on this assumption. God is at work in the lives of people that we will meet. And that's evident in the life of the Apostle Paul. If you look at the pattern of the Apostle Paul's ministry, every place that he went, um, he either started in the synagogue, in some places he started near the river's edge, but in every situation, he started where God was already at work, where God was already at work. So the first part of our, our strategy is we connect. Now, how do we connect and with whom do we connect? Well, we're one missionary family, and in 2019, where we set off to create the Southern Cone Initiative, there was just one family. But we knew there were other missionaries in Brazil, uh, other missionaries from other groups, um, other mission agencies, uh, missionaries that had been there longer than us, missionaries that had been there uh, less time than us. We knew there were Brazilian pastors, Argentine pastors, Uruguayan pastors. So the first part of this connect is we raised a flag. And we raised a flag saying, we are focused on the least reached communities to see a gospel movement happen in our generation. Who wants to be a part of this? And we believed, we believed that that would resonate with some people. And it did. And God sent us several different missionary families that joined our team uh, over the course of two or three years, right in the middle of COVID. And together we formed a team and this team rallied around this vision. It wasn't about us. It wasn't about a mission agency or whether we were on the same team or not. It was about the gospel. We rallied around the gospel. And we set out as a team to connect with other nationals. Brazilians have established different denominations over the years. I think there are seven different types of Baptist denominations in Brazil alone. And we sought out denominational leaders uh, to really present to them a plan for reaching the, these communities for Christ in South America. At the same time, we wanted to connect with who was already there. Uh, there were near-context communities that had strong churches. And we wanted to establish partnership with these churches and these pastors to help mobilize them to near-context communities to see churches planted near them. So... How did we do this? Well, we just kind of reached out to people, um, met with them individually over coffee, and COVID helped tremendously. 
because it forced people in 2020 uh, not to have church services. They didn't have church services in South America. Pastors were available, uh, not only available, but they wanted to meet people. Uh, They wanted to spend time with other people. And so in 2020, my wife and I drove thousands and thousands of miles to different communities and different places to sit down in a small cafe with a pastor somewhere in southern Brazil just to say, hey, what if we were to pursue a shared vision in the gospel for this region together? So since 2020, we have connected with over 500 ministry leaders, just to present to them what it would look like if we worked together to see this happen. So I want you to just imagine in your mind's eye just a huge funnel, okay? And at the top of this funnel is this connect. You're just connecting with people, and you're just casting a vision. The second thing we did over the last few years is we catalyze. So this picture that you see here is a group of guys that we met with. Uh, they're church planners in southern Brazil. They had started a church right at the beginning of COVID, and we connected with them, but then we came alongside of them to catalyze something in them. Now, what does it mean, catalyze? You know, I, just, I don't want it to just be a, a word of effect. Catalyze simply means this, to start and accelerate. That's what it is to start and accelerate. Now, what did we want to start in them? A desire to see people come to faith in Christ outside of their immediate context. You know, so many times we get so pigeonholed, tunnel vision. We see the people around us, but we don't see just one ridge over. We don't want to see what's up the next holler. We don't want to see what's in the next city or the town next to us. And as we heard this morning, the Macedonian call. You know, there are people out there praying that God would send someone. You know, we believe that God's at work everywhere, and God wants us to see people everywhere come to faith in Christ through the proclamation of the gospel. But in order for that to happen, we're going to have to have a bigger map, a map that shows us some different towns and cities. So when we came alongside these guys, and this is just one case among many, we helped them understand what they could do as a church to reach their community for Christ, but through that church planted, reach their region for Christ. So here you have a group of four or five guys, and we started a group that we call an intensive cohort, church planting cohort with them, where we took everything that we had learned over 15 years of ministry as church planners, and we unpacked it and helped them figure out the nuts and bolts of what it would look like not only to plant their church, but to develop church planters. This started in 2020. It became a pilot project for us because we wanted to do this in many places through many different people. Since then, they've started two different churches in nearby communities, and they have a vision to see 19 churches established in their region by 2033. So a 10-year vision to see 19 churches established. Well, in 2020, at the end of that year, we were kind of in the middle of this cohort process of catalyzing this with this group of guys. We said, hey, let's start this with other churches and other places in South America. So we brought a group of pastors together 
that wanted to see this same vision realized through their churches. And we had a conference called the Catalyst Community Conference. And we just, for three days, sat at a retreat center, praying, dreaming about what God would have us do. And each of us putting a map up on the wall and saying, hey, I'm here. But if I were to develop leaders, if I were to disciple my people well, if I were to create a discipleship pathway that led into ministry engagement in communities that were far from Christ, if I did that, what could be? And then we pressed in a little on that what could be question and asked them what will be. And so we came out of that conference at the end of 2020 um, with a shared vision with a group of pastors to see 158 churches planted in southern Brazil within the next 10 years. So you got a group like this saying, hey, we'll start 19. And you got another group of pastors in another place, hey, we'll start five, we'll start 10. And we started realizing in 2021 and 2022, hey, God is at work here. God is at work here. Um, we, we, we just stepped into an, the unknown. We didn't know what it was gonna look like, but we began seeing God working through these pastors uh, through this process. Well, the last thing here, and we'll show that last slide, is we, we, we realized we had to come alongside these people as mentors or coaches, okay? You know, what does a coach do? I, I sat today, and we watched the Bengals lose again, right? Uh, the boys and I were in the hotel, uh, and we, we live in Cincinnati now while we're back in the States, and, uh, you know, we were talking about, me and the boys were talking about Joe Burrows just got a contract of almost $300 million, and he's lost two games in a row. So there's a lot of sad people out there. But you see the coach on the sideline, you know, just wringing his hands and kind of giving directions and instructions. And, and I, this is the best way to explain what, what we've done in shifting our ministry from being church planners, pastors of local churches, to helping mentor and coach church planners in a regional vision. So what have we done in this process? Well, we systematized all of these processes. We put them on like an online platform where we could train church planners, and we developed a coaching mechanism where churches throughout southern Brazil, as they identify potential church planners, they put them in this pipeline and move them down the training platform that we've created. And the idea is that as we develop church planners, we develop them for deployment. That's important to understand. We develop people to send them off. Now, why is that so important? Well, one thing that over 15 years of ministry in Sao Paulo that I noticed is that um, as American missionaries, what we had done really well over about 100 years, we plant churches very well overseas, and we start seminaries very well overseas. And in Brazil, at least, because I can only speak to Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay, kind of where we have most of our experience, there wasn't a lot of deployment going on. Not a, not a lot of people were being developed to be sent out. And so we created a mechanism to be able to fit in that gap to identify people to be able to develop for deployment. So we're going to kind of close this down and, and, and land the plane here. Um, our vision, back to our vision. 
Where are we going with this? Once again, we're asking God for a gospel movement in every least reached community of the Southern Cone in our generation. We are God-dependent. This is a vision bigger than ourselves. Um, we are still praying and asking God to connect us to other missionaries, uh, other people who are praying about ministry. Uh, we we want to develop a partnership with you. But at the same time, we're praying that God will connect us to people who are in Argentina, Uruguay, and southern Brazil for us to develop a pathway for developing and deploying church planners into least-reached communities. But at the end of this statement, our vision here, in our generation. You know, one thing, Pastor, that I just, I so enjoyed about the message this morning and is, was so challenging to me, and I think to all of us, was kind of that urgency. I mean, folks, uh, it's urgent. And we, we saw that calculator up on the screen this morning. That's the reality. Okay, that, that's the structure of all reality. People are born and people die. And it happens every day. It happens in our lifetime. And we have a stewardship of our calling. We have a stewardship of the gospel. We have a stewardship of the opportunities that God has given us. A few things that we're excited about uh, in this coming year is this. So we, um, we've started a ministry in Uruguay. Um, at the end of this year, in December, we have a, our first meeting with a group of pastors, 19 different pastors from the different um, districts of Uruguay. Uruguay is a small country. And Uruguay is less than 2% evangelical as a whole. Imagine that, a country of about 6, 7 million people, less than 2% evangelical. And these 19 pastors are gathering in December with this same framework in mind. Hey, we're going to come together and we're going to craft out a vision of what God would have us do over the next 10, 20 years, however long it takes to reach our country for Christ. You know, I just uh, think about everything that's happened at this church uh, throughout this past week. Uh, I wasn't here last Sunday, but I got online, watched the message, uh, watched all the devotionals that the pastoral staff did throughout this week that were published out and on social media. And as a church, you've been challenged. You've been challenged with uh, the, the privilege of coming alongside what missionaries are doing around the world to see the gospel advance. Uh, and I want to thank you as a missionary for your partnership in our lives and ministry.